God in his wisdom and in his kindness to the church gave instruction to the church on leadership. Uh, Scripture teaches that there are two offices in the church. The role of the elder, which is the, the spiritual leaders of the church, and the role of the deacon, which is the servants in the church that care for needs of the church. Dogwood Church is an elder-led church. We have, uh, have a group of elders that oversee the church, and we have deacons who serve uh, as servants here in this church. And we are prayerfully considering the addition of some more elders uh, in this church. And so in a few weeks, we're going to ask the church, according to our bylaws, to recommend some individuals that you feel uh, are qualified to serve as an elder, uh, to be considered, uh, to be prayed over. The, ch- the, church, the elders will go through an assessment process with them and, and prayerfully consider uh, individuals to be added to our elder board. Now, in our kind of way of thinking, sometimes we can kind of get a little bit uh, distorted view on what that role is, on uh, kind of what their, what their purpose is, what they do. Uh, we often think of elders strictly as kind of a board of directors that, that make all the decisions, uh, and so if, if we come at that from this way of thinking that, oh, they're the ones that just make all the decisions in our democratic society, in our democratic way of thinking, we can kind of start to think, well, why do they get to make all the decisions? Uh, why, are they, why is it what they want and not necessarily what I want? And I think that it's important for us to look at what Scripture says before we start this process, before we start the process of recommending elders, just to get a clear picture of what does Scripture teach us on the role of an elder? What does Scripture teach us on the qualifications of an elder? So that before we get to the point of recommending someone, we're reminded from God's Word, this is my purpose in this. This is what God's telling us. This is my purpose in this. This is the role of these individuals uh, in that. And so we're going to take a look at one of the passages that teaches on uh, the role of an elder and the qualifications of an elder in the church. And so our sermon is titled Biblical Leadership in the Church. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to First Timothy. And I'm going to read the first seven verses of 1 Timothy 3, and then I'll pray for us. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil." Furthermore, he must, be, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Let's pray. 
God, your word is true and it is good. And I pray that as we uh, look at the passage today, that you will help us learn what it is that you have for uh, the church concerning church leadership. Uh, I pray that you will shape our thinking and our actions accordingly and uh, be with us, Lord, as we start this process of, of considering additional elders here at Dogwood Church. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, as we get ready to look at this passage, there are a couple of things that I want to make note of at the beginning before we get into the kind of main context of uh, what we're going to see in this. Uh, and that's a couple of things that we do believe that Scripture teaches concerning elders. Uh, first off, we do believe Scripture teaches that the role of an elder is reserved for qualified, this is important that you hear this, for qualified men. It's not necessarily a role that all men would fulfill, but it is a role that is reserved for qualified men. And the reason we believe that is when you read these passages on the role of an elder, it only speaks in the masculine form of he uh, must serve in this way. He must be this type of man. That has nothing to do with value. That is not to say that men are smarter than women. That is not to say that men are better at leading than women. But in God's good design, his desire is for the elder of the church, the elders of the church, to be qualified men to serve in that role. The next thing we do believe Scripture affirms is the uh, plurality of elders, meaning that there are more than one when, when that's possible in a church, that there would be more than one person serving, that there's a group of men who are serving uh, in the role of elders, not just one individual. So those are a couple of things for us to keep in mind, but... Uh, as we work through this text, I want us to see really three important things about the, the function of these individuals uh, and the qualifications of these individuals. The first thing that we're going to see in 1 Timothy 3 is this. Elders watch over the body of Christ. Elders watch over the body of Christ. Let's look back at verse 1 in 1 Timothy 3. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. The, one of the terms that Scripture uses when it speaks of the elders is that they are overseers. Uh, they watch over the church or the, the body of Christ. Uh, Paul tells Timothy that that role, that someone seeking that role, that that's a noble work. That is a, a, a vital, important work for the church. So overseeing a congregation, overseeing the people of a church means leading them. It means caring for them. It means keeping watch over them. Uh, that term, we kind of can oftentimes think of like an overseer as kind of a, a manager. Uh, and there are some roles to that, or there are some connections to that. But uh, we're looking at it from like spiritual leadership, uh, providing direction for a body of believers, providing care for a body of believers. Another term that is commonly used 
concerning elders is shepherd. The role of an elder is that of being a shepherd. Now, we're not going to go to this verse yet because we're going to look at it later in the sermon. But in 1 Peter 5, 2, uh, Peter says to the elders, shepherd God's flock that is among you. Shepherd God's flock. So think of all of the ways that a shepherd cares for its sheep. He cares for his sheep, cares for the sheep that are under his, uh, under his watch. They have to feed them. They have to water them. They have to nurture them, lead them, provide uh, healing to them if they have been hurt, protecting them. So that term is an important term for us to, uh, to look at and to consider. When we think of the role of an elder being that of a shepherd of a group of people, uh, it's a constant care for, looking out for. It should not be thought of as like, well, they're the ones that just make decisions, but they're the ones that God has given us to care for us, to, to help us in all that we face, in all that we do. Paul uses that phrase uh, in Acts. Uh, he is, calls together the Ephesian elders uh, and wants to give them a warning concerning the important role that they have as being a shepherd to the church. And so in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 28, we see Paul say this to the Ephesian elders, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. And so Paul uses this image of the shepherd being a, an individual protecting those that he is watching over. And so in the church, the elders are to protect the church, to defend the church against those who are going to try to tear down the church. Of course, that image of the shepherd is only one portion. Protection is only one part of the job. Uh, the, the word shepherd captures so many roles, so many tasks that they are to do. Watching over, caring for a congregation that they have been given charge over. I love the, the wording uh, that Paul David Tripp uses about this idea of the elders being a shepherd of the church. Paul David Tripp says this, A shepherd is a servant title. Remember, he doesn't call these people kings of Christ's church. He calls them shepherds. If you study the culture of a shepherd, it would be hard to find a more fundamentally other-centered title than shepherd. A shepherd lives, breathes, and exercises gifts for the sake of the health of the sheep. So the role of an elder... Uh, is providing that of care to the congregation, to the church, to the body of Christ. And so if done biblically, that takes a significant amount of time and energy to provide that constant care and watching over a church. That's a pouring out of oneself. 
to care for those that he oversees. Leading the church, making sure the church is growing, providing wise counsel for all the the things that we face in this life, and modeling godly living, modeling Christ-like character. And that takes us to the next point. Back in 1 Timothy 3, the second point I want us to see is this. Elders exemplify the character of Christ. Elders exemplify the character of Christ. Character should, the, the character of a leader is important. It's always important in your leaders. In the church, the character of an elder is of vital importance. Almost everything that Paul lists here and in the other, uh, the other passages that talk about the qualifications of an elder are character qualifications. There's only one skill, and we're going to get to that after this, but an elder must have character that exemplifies, that is a, that is a model of Jesus Christ. So, verses 2 through 7, let's look back at this. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently and have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders, so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Character is of vital importance for an individual if they are going to serve as an elder. Now, the blanket statement that we get over this comes from verse 2, and that says that the, an overseer is to be above reproach. So above reproach means that their reputation with others should be that this is an individual who is a good and faithful man. When other people look at them, they don't think, well, yeah, but man, have you seen the way they act when they're out in town? Have you seen the way that they treat individuals? Have you seen? They should be above reproach in the way people think of them and people see them as they live out their life. And then the list that goes on from there is kind of goes into a little bit more details of ways that a, an elder's character should model that of our Savior. Because, of course, we know Christ lived these out perfectly, right? He was the perfect embodiment of, of what it is to be, you know, what it is that we are called to. And so an elder is one who is supposed to be faithful in these areas. This does not mean perfection. We will not, none of us will, will be perfect in our life. But there should be consistent evidence of uh, faithfulness in their walk with Christ. Moral and spiritual character. I, I liked the way Alexander Strzok kind of broke this down because I didn't want us to, to go through 
item by item and define every one of these terms. But in his book on biblical eldership, Alexander Strzok kind of broke these into some categories that we see have some common traits. And some of them do overlap. But he points out one of, those, one of the areas that there should be moral and spiritual character is how they lead in their own home. So the first, an elder needs to be, or an overseer needs to be, the husband of one wife. Now, there's different interpretations to that. Uh, for a long time, people assumed that that seems to mean that an individual, if they've been divorced, uh, that they wouldn't be able to serve as a role to an elder. The, the wording actually means a one-wife man. Uh, which seems to be talking about is the husband, if he's married, the husband is a faithful husband to his wife. He's not pursuing relationships with other women. Uh, He is not being unfaithful to her anyway. He is sexually pure in his relationship with his wife, and he is loving and leading and caring for his wife well. And then continuing on later on in the passage, it says that an elder must lead his children and manage his household well. There should be evidence of raising up their children in the faith, loving discipline in their home. And Paul adds a a clarifying statement that says, if a man cannot lead in his household, if a man cannot shepherd his household, then why would we say that they would be able to shepherd an entire congregation and care for an entire congregation? Concerning areas of self-control. Now, self-control is is specifically listed, but then there are some other areas in this list that deal with issues of self-control. Some of those that are listed uh, doesn't abuse alcohol. So it says not an excessive drinker. There's not a complete prohibition to drinking alcohol, but it does say that this individual would not abuse alcohol and be under the influence of alcohol uh, in a way that it would stop them from being able to lead and care well for people. We would, of course, add to that uh, drugs. He's not an, a greedy individual. He can exhibit self-control in his spending and in how he uses money. He doesn't do the work of an elder in order to get his way. He does the work of an elder to care for the people, focusing on the needs of other people. And then, of course, there's self-control and temperament, and we'll talk about those in a little bit. But in all of this, the, the, the character of an individual who serves as an elder should be a devout and righteous man, striving to walk in obedience to Jesus. In his relationships with others, he's known as a gentle person, which is a picture of our Savior, right? He's not inclined to fight. He's a person of peace. He's not a bully, forcing people to, to do things just to get his way. And without, with people outside the church, he's also known as a person of good reputation, concerning his faith, it does say he should not be a uh, new convert because it could lead to pride being put in the role of an elder. 
Uh, now, there isn't a time frame given there of like after so many years they qualify for this. But the idea is that there should be a time of maturing for, before a person is considered to serve as an elder. Now, one important note for us is the character that's described here is actually the character that all followers of Christ are called to. The, and the, the, it's what the Holy Spirit is working in all of us who are believers to produce in us character that makes us look more and more like Jesus. So it's not that the church is kind of off, like they're kind of let off the hook on all of these areas, but the elders have to be like this super spiritual group. That's not what the text is saying. But what the text is saying, if a person is to be an elder in the church, they certainly must be living out their faith and and modeling the Christ-like character that they say that they are following. In 1 Peter, that passage I referenced in the last point, 1 Peter 5, Peter talks about this, about the modeling of the character of Christ to the church. And so in 1 Peter 5, verse 1 through 3, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you. Not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So Peter says that as you are shepherding the flock, as you are caring for this congregation, you're not doing it for yourself, you're not doing it to benefit yourself, but in this role you are to be modeling, setting an example to the congregation of what it is to look like a follower of Jesus. What it is to look like trying to pursue obedience and pursue faithfulness to Jesus. Shepherd God's flock willingly. So, if the character of an elder is not in line with what the Savior lived out, is not following uh, Jesus, it, it devastates the church. We see it in the news when an, a, an elder or a pastor of a church falls because of some type of sexual sin or some type of abuse of power, uh, abuse of finances. It devastates the church. And Scripture is clear that character in the elders is of vital importance. Elders are to constantly display the character of Jesus. Back in 1 Timothy 3, the, the third point I want us to see is this. Elders teach Scripture to the people of Christ. Elders teach Scripture to the people of Christ. There is one skill listed in this, this list of things that the elder is, the, a list of qualifications of the elder, and we see it at the end of verse 2. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, and here's the skill that is listed, able to teach. Able to teach. That's the one skill that's listed in this list. Uh, And so that requires a few things. If an elder is to teach the Word, if the elder is to teach Scripture, 
uh, to the people, to the body of Christ, uh, first, that requires a knowledge of Scripture, a knowledge of the Word of God and the doctrines that the church believes and holds to. If an individual does not have a good knowledge of Scripture, then they are not qualified to serve as an elder, whether they're, they're nice or whether they give a lot or whatever other good things that they may have about their life. If they don't know Scripture, they should not serve as an elder in the church. Now, please know, this does not mean like you have to have some type of advanced degree. This does not mean that there has to be some type of formal education uh, before you could be considered to serve as an elder of the church. Uh, but there should be a working knowledge of this is what the Word of God teaches us. Uh, and this is how it applies in our lives. And that way, as we care for the body, uh, we can teach them the truths of God. And share with them what it is that uh, God has for them. The second thing that this requires, of course, is the ability to and a willingness to teach. To use that knowledge that they have. So they have to know what Scripture teaches and then be able to share that with others. To teach others. To use Scripture in its intended purposes. Second Timothy tells us all Scripture is breathed out by God, and that it is profitable for these things, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so when elders fulfill this role, this qualification of teaching and being able to teach, they are doing so to help build up the body and to defend the truth. In Titus, another passage where Paul writes about the qualifications of an elder, he goes into that about defending the truth. And so in Titus 1.9, we see this. He's speaking concerning what the elders should do. Holding to the faithful message as taught, so that he will be able to both encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. You must... Use the knowledge, the purpose of having a good understanding of God's Word for an elder is to use that to encourage the believers and then to defend and take a stand against false teachings. And there's lots of false teaching. And there's lots of false teaching that on the surface looks like it may be true. On the surface, it, it uses Scripture. You're like, well, maybe that, that must be true because it, there's a Bible verse that they used when they said that. Or they talked about God, so it must be true. But there's lots of false teaching that twists and distorts. And so the elder is to encourage the body with the truth. And when there is a false teaching that is coming up, they can say, this isn't what Scripture says. Now, teaching can happen in, in several different uh, contexts, several different settings. Yes, that teaching happens in preaching, and that teaching happens in Sunday school classes, but sometimes that teaching may also take place over a cup of coffee with a, a brother or sister in Christ, or uh, over a meal together. That could happen in a small group. Uh, teaching can happen in lots of contexts. And this doesn't mean that the elders are the only ones that are qualified to teach. There are all kinds of people who are 
qualified and should teach. However, an elder certainly should, one, be able to, and two, pursue opportunities to share the truth with the body, to build up the body with God's Word. The church needs wise and knowledgeable leaders who instruct them in the truth, encouraging them in the truth, and defending the truth. Now, first and foremost, to my fellow elders, I think this word, of course, is of vital importance to us to hear today. The Lord has given us a high calling. And so as we continue to serve in this role that the Lord has given us, let's continue to strive towards what it is that God has called us to, to live out the character of our Savior, to point people to Jesus, to to teach people about Jesus. Let's shepherd the way that God has called us to. And since we will be asking for recommendations about Uh, potential elders to the men who may be recommended, what I would say is God's Word makes it clear this is a noble and important task to serve and care for a congregation of believers, to, to serve and care for, to pour out your life in the care of a group of believers is a noble task. And so if you are recommended in this process and into the assessment process, go into that prayerfully. Go into that letting the, the Word of God really be a part of the examination of your heart Examine your life according to what Scripture is calling you to and know that your character is of utmost importance if you're asked to fulfill this role. And to the church, when you may think, well, this sermon seems like it doesn't uh, apply to a lot of us. It does. Uh, It may apply differently, but to, to the church... We want you to know, the elders want you to know, we care about you. And we care greatly for you. That's why we have accepted this important responsibility. It isn't in order to have our ways, to be able to have our say over other things, but because we believe that God has called us to this and we want to demonstrate love and care for you. And also to the church, what I would say, as we consider this process, as we are going to consider recommending individuals who might serve as an elder in the future here, it is of utmost importance that we rely on Scripture to determine that. Scripture and prayer to help us come to the decision of who it is that God would have to come alongside the rest of the elders to lead and care for this flock. So as we go through this process, be praying about, be reflecting on the truths of Scripture concerning the role of elders before we make decisions on who we think should fulfill that. So let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and the instruction that it gives us. We thank you that your word provides uh, instruction on leadership in the church and the care that that leadership is supposed to provide uh, for myself and the fellow elders. I do pray that you will continue to lead us through the power of your Holy Spirit. 
uh, that we will care well for this congregation that you have entrusted to us. God, for Dogwood Church, as we are going to consider adding additional elders uh, to the group, I pray for wisdom. I pray for leading of the Spirit. I pray for your word to help us see uh, what it is you desire for those individuals. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.